You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Eldred, Collins Chapel, any of these places out here uh, and uh, the schools in Jemison and Thorsby need to keep the kids uh, in the tornado safe place until the polygon goes away. The happy moment is when Taylor draws that white X on these things, meaning that they've gone away. But at this point, it's still up. But the good news, the tornadic signature is clearly clearly pretty much gone away for now. I want to go into Dallas County really quickly. A lot of people are watching us there, and uh, we thank everybody for watching, but this is clearly becoming the dominant circulation right here. This thing looks nasty. I mean, that is ugly. This thing's coming right down Highway 22. Uh, it's very close to Orville, and that's going to come right up Highway 22 into uh, Selma right here. Uh, so again, I just wanted to show that. Again, this is in the Montgomery television market, but if you know anybody that lives uh, along Highway 22 from Orville to Selma. Call them up, text them, and tell them to watch the coverage and be sheltered. Uh, this one means business, and we've seen signatures like this today that have produced significant tornadoes that have caused damage, and this is a life-threatening storm. Uh, the, uh, again, the danger is ended from Safford West, okay? Uh, so again, if you're in Thomaston, Safford, you're good. Northern Wilcox, you're good. The concern now, it's exclusively Dallas County, and really, it's trucking right down Highway 22 uh, from uh, basically uh, Orville right toward the city of Selma. Uh, and again, the warning extends uh, through the rest of Dallas County, and it includes, it looks like a little part of maybe Autauga County here, but our friends in uh, Prattville and Autauga County will have to watch this to see if that thing stays intact. So again, that is a tornado warning in effect for Dallas County, and that is our dominant tornado right now. The tornado warning for Dallas County in the central part of the state for a possible tornado trucking right down U.S. Or I'm sorry, Alabama 22. U.S. 80 is north of there. This is south of U.S. 80, south of Browns, uh, down toward Orville. So this is the second one. This is the one closer to home. So let's go back up to Chilton. And again, the good news, uh, there's just not a tornado signature right there at the moment. We don't have a tornado at the moment, which is great. But notice the red flashing polygon is still there, meaning we still have a tornado warning issued by the National Weather Service. And what, what they're doing here is they're, they're just going to wait and see if this thing tries to recycle. And some of these things today have been uh, cyclic. And uh, uh, again, uh, I think that is the, the right thing to do. Hopefully, we can give you an all clear here shortly. Uh, but the warning, they just canceled the one for Bib, And again, the, the Again, Bibb County, all clear for you. Uh, Randolph, Ashby, Briarfield, all clear. Brent Centerville, you've been out for a while. So the uh, tornado warning has been taken out for Bibb County. It remains in effect for northern Chilton. Um, <clears throat> and again, a new tornado watch will be coming soon for some of the counties in east and southeast Alabama. We'll take a look at that in a minute. Um, so again, let's just hang on to this and we're going to stay right here. <clears throat> We've been on the air since about 8 o'clock this morning. This is going on for about four hours. We did not expect to be on this long today, quite frankly. This is overproduced in terms of uh, severe weather. And we know that a lot of you are getting hail at this point and strong winds. In fact, let's take a look at the broad view one more time, Taylor. I want to show the broad view with the reflectivity and just kind of show you where the severe weather threat is ended. I think that's good news. And again, Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, Gadsden, the risk of severe weather is ended and points north and west. So Tuscaloosa, 
Severe weather risk is over. Birmingham, same thing. Gadsden, same thing. In areas north and west, it's over. This is a one-and-done line. Uh, we've got a severe thunderstorm warning in effect for northern Talladega for the possibility of large hail and strong winds. Storms be approaching Anniston here fairly soon. They're coming in toward East Aboga right now. Coming, uh, They're up toward uh, Glencoe. But again, we focus on the tornado warnings, and we have two in the state, two tornado warnings, one for northern Chilton and one for Dallas. Now, the one thing that's going to happen this afternoon, the surface low is passing far to the north, and we think with time, the winds will veer back to the southwest at the surface. And as that happens, that will create an environment less favorable for tornadoes this afternoon. So hopefully as we go along uh, for the rest of this afternoon for uh, these areas to the south and east, the tornado threat will lessen to some degree. But even with that, there could be an isolated tornado. Uh, so just be aware of that. But I think we might see evidence of that and how kind of how this line is behaving here and the fact that this is really weakened. So let's go back to northern Chilton. The reason we are here, it is a tornado warning in effect for northern Chilton County. And again, you can see uh, the velocity will look like this. And we have no evidence of a tornado at this point in northern Chilton, which is great. But still... If you are in Thorsby or Jemison or Collins Chapel or Union Grove, uh, I would be sheltered. Now, this is far north of Clanton. There is no tornado warning in effect. There's never been a tornado warning polygon for Clanton. We don't issue warnings for entire counties. We issue warnings for small parts of counties, polygons, if you will. And we've had a problem today. There's been a communication problem. I need to go and try and find out what happened. But a lot of people were believing they were in a polygon when they were not. And so many people are using the automated apps from different sources. There's a gazillion weather apps, you know, UncleJoe'sWeatherApp.com or whatever. And some of these things just are really bad. They're bad. And uh, it would be better to use people like us or, or if you don't like us, somebody else that, that, that can give you a credible discussion of what's happening here instead of that glance on a phone. Uh, because this is complicated stuff. This ain't easy. And uh, a little simple glance at an app for two seconds sometimes does more harm than good. So I'll just leave it at that. But again, the great news, we do not have any evidence of a tornado at this point in northern Chilton, and the polygon continues to shrink. And uh, again, technically, it still includes US 31 and Interstate 65. Thorsby has been taken out of the polygon. So if you're in Thorsby, we'll give you an all clear from this tornado warning. And, and again, there's not a tornado here at the moment, but they're leaving this intact just in case something spins up. Any late damage reports, Taylor? No, not that I'm seeing uh, within the chat. All right, uh, we got some good news there. The uh, uh, Bib tornado warning has been canceled, and the only other one in effect at the moment is uh, Dallas County, and that is uh, going to expire soon. So um, I think for the moment we are catching a, a breath here so a welcomed breath yes because it has been a crazy morning uh of course we will be here throughout the afternoon and if uh anything changes we will will be the first to uh, jump in and let you know about it here at uh, town square media tuscaloosa and all the uh the radio brands and of course the tuscaloosa thread download the tuscaloosa thread app or uh, you can go to TuscaloosaThread.com to follow along all the latest information. Uh, I'm DC. That's Steve. 
Thanks uh, for uh, being with us. Thank you for your phone calls. And stay safe out there. This is Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa. W-F-N Calling Tuscaloosa Country on the radio Your home for Steve and DC Y'all ready? Bama's best best country Country radio 90s to now 95.3 Coaches, not just in the SEC, in the nation uh, what he did to free up Brandon Miller in the second half and get him in the lane more and get him the, the basketball more because Arkansas just shut him down in the first half. But he was very successful in loosening that up. And also his ability to get freshmen, and particularly when you're talking about Clowney and with Miller, to take those fearless shots, Lars, that you were just referring to. I mean, they don't care. They don't care if you're at Houston or you're at Fayetteville. They're going to take it to you. And they continue to get better, whereas last year, I think you saw them get better and better, and they had the big win against Gonzaga. But then they just kind of hit a lull and kind of played at that level the remainder of the season. I don't see that this year. And as we tried to emphasize and had Sonny Smith on yesterday to talk about it, winning at Bud Walton is just a huge chore. But winning at Bud Walton and making a break under the five-minute mark and going on a 9-0 run that eventually ended up in a 19-6 run is just amazing. And the talent is there. But, guys, I'm pointing it right back to Oates. How good is this guy? And yesterday I was reading Texas is coming after him. So I don't think we're going to chase that rabbit hole right now. But I just give so much credit to the X's and O's and marking it up side court with Nate Oates. Yeah, I mean, look, if you are um, an Alabama fan, you want other you want other schools coming after your coach because that means that your coach is doing a damn good job, and 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 Nate Oates has has done exactly that. And uh, I, I I I confess when Greg Byrne was doing his search and, and we, we had Greg Byrne in studio uh, a, a few times and and he uh, explained how it was really done under the, the veil of, of secrecy. But when Nate Oates was hired, I had no idea who Nate Oates was. And, and now he, his name is one of the hottest names in all of college basketball. Would Nate Oates leave Alabama? I don't think so because he's got a great thing going here, uh, and also, and we talked we talked about this a little bit yesterday uh, with Mike Rodak of AL.com of uh, the uh, the new arena that uh, it's been stalled a little bit, but the construction of it on campus I think is going to be another real uh, rec- uh, recruiting tool for Alabama. But um, I, I don't. I, Christian, do do you see NATO's leaving anytime soon? Um, soon, I don't think so. I, I do see him leaving at some point. I just don't feel that Alabama is his end um, end destination. Um, you know, I think it, it's a great program for him right now, and I think he's doing some um, some awesome things with the program, and 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 is really building something special 
Um, but I know he's going to be so highly sought after. And I would not be shocked if a, a bigger program were to come after him and him eventually land there. Now, I don't think that's anytime soon. I think he really enjoys being here. Um, I think he really enjoys the support and the backing that he has here. Um, everybody loves him. The fans love him. Uh, the athletic administration loves him. Um, so I, I don't think it's anytime soon. But would say maybe five years down the road when he's accomplished some more things here in a bigger school, a bigger basketball school, so to speak, maybe comes after him. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Kentucky, sure, yeah, you know, just because he's. <laughs> look, I mean, look, let's be honest. Ooh. He's that caliber, uh, caliber uh, basketball coach. He's yeah. that. Uh, quality of a coach where these schools are going to come after him. I mean, you just look what he did at Buffalo and you look what he's done when he's come to Alabama and where he's taken the program in such a short amount of time. Um, he truly is a developer and, and a great basketball mind. And there's something about wherever he goes and, and his culture that he brings with him. It turns programs around and other programs are taking notice of that. And I think eventually they're going to catch on to it and they're going to want, uh, they're going to want some Nate Oates in their organization. Um, Matt, your thoughts on that. And also uh, a second question. What, what are you seeing out of uh, Javon Quinterly? Do you think he's turned a corner? Yeah, a little bit. And I particularly saw it in the game before this one, but you see it again last night, and he is mixing in his veteran skill set with the, the, the first guys. And by the way, what a great pickup in the transfer portal was Mark Sears. There are just so many positives to go with this Alabama basketball team, and uh, we'll see a little bit more here. And then they're 4-0. They're atop the league, uh, and they are playing great basketball. They've got a superstar and an unbelievable supporting cast. So... That is the opening segment here as we continue to keep an eye on the weather for you. Uh, that is a big story. And then you've got uh, Alabama. And I don't know if this is under the radar or if I'm misreading this. But, guys, apparently, from what I'm reading, the NCAA has just made a tremendous transfer portal rule. I don't know if you guys saw this this morning or not. But we're going to have to get into that on the other side of this break. We will talk more basketball, though, in just a minute because A.D., Alex Dillard, uh, former Arkansas superstar from Alabama, now living in Birmingham, is going to join us. And then in our second hour between 1 and 2, the mixter, Mick Gillespie, joins us on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Has the pandemic affected your business? Even with more and more customers going online in the past five years, online business has grown greatly due to the pandemic. Now more than ever, it's important to have... Colder tonight, mostly cloudy with the low at 34. Tomorrow, a cold and breezy day with a mix of sun and clouds, the high 48. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
on Big Noon Sportsman, Coulter Lars Anderson, along with Christian Miller. Uh, Alex Diller will join us at the bottom of the hour to talk some uh, college basketball, particularly last night's game between Arkansas and Alabama. I took a minute and uh, didn't see the run. I kind of watched it on my phone because I went down to watch UAB as they took on Western Kentucky. And um, very un-Blazers-like, they have lost three in a row because they dropped one to Western Kentucky last night by a score of 80-78. to 78. That was a little surprising to me. This morning, as I'm flipping through, as we all do, we're just doing a little research for the show. I see this article says NCAA proposes or, or is instituting a major rule change uh, concerning the transfer portal. And I will try and just, uh, you know, glean this down, uh, whittle it down for you just a little bit. But it reads to me that if, if you're an undergraduate player, you can transfer once, and that's, that's fine. You can pretty much go anywhere you want to, anytime you want to. Uh, given the guidelines and the months and the days that you can actually enter the portal and so forth. But after that, uh, it cannot be for academic or playing time reasons. And each case will be taken in a case-by-case basis. And I do emphasize undergraduate. If you have graduated, again, I guess you can transfer as many times or enter the transfer portal as many times as you want to. But right now, guys, is that the way you see this? You're one, and then after that, you can't transfer because you're uh, upset about your playing time. Yes, and um, let's just put some numbers on this. Uh, Nearly 2,000 players in FBS alone entered the portal uh, in the first transfer window following the 2022 regular season. And this is really amazing. At least 120 quarterbacks alone have entered the portal. Now, I I think this should forever be known as the JT Daniels rule because (laughs) JT Daniels just landed at his fourth school. Okay, he's at Rice now for those keeping track. Uh, He played at USC from 2018 to 2019. Then he goes to Georgia uh, uh, for 2020-2021. Then he started for West Virginia in 2022. And now he's at Rice where presumably he'll be the starting quarterback. But with these new rules, Daniels would need to graduate in between each of his final two transfers or sit out and and risk burning a a year of eligibility. So they're finally putting, you know, some uh, restrictions on the transfer portal, which is nothing but a good thing. Uh, Lord knows I know how your father feels about the transfer portal, Christian. Right. Uh, What what do you think about this? I think it's good for, you know, really for the, the programs who have been, you know, um, hurt by the number of guys entering the program um, at a record number. Um, it, it's tough for teams to be able to finish seasons when there's so many guys in the portal. Um, they're playing with um, a, a lack of depth because of it. And uh, again, I think it's, it's look, it's basically going back to all right, you have one free pass, and then after that, it'll be case by case, which is kind of what it was originally. Because I remember back when I was playing, um, I had a teammate, Maurice Smith wanted to transfer from here to Georgia I and they that. were blocking it they were um, shooting it down and he eventually was granted um, the ability to transfer and play immediately however uh, it was kind of like that they really had to um, dive into um, the details of it his reasonings and whatnot so 
it sounds like it's kind of, you know, you get that free pass, and after that, that's kind of what it's going to turn into, which, again, I think is fair. It's fair for the players because they have their, their opportunity to do it unpenalized. They can go and play immediately, um, but it also prevents them from just skipping around and uh, going from team to team, which basically is just like free agency, um, which makes it tough on programs because, again, you, you're losing players at a record pace, and, and it's just hard to, to compete like that when so many guys from your team are missing. Hey, Matt, b- b- before I head over to campus, I, I just I really wanted to get into this story, and I know we don't have much time, but uh, legendary USC tailback and 1979 Heisman Trophy winner Charles White uh, died following a battle with cancer. Uh, the school announced yesterday he was only 64 years old, and and Charles White to me was one of the greatest college football running backs of all time. Uh, he was a member of USC's 1978 national championship team um and uh in the next year he ran for 2050 yards 19 touchdowns he remains usc and when you think of usc and all the great running backs they've had he remains the school's all-time leading rusher with 6245 yards uh ended up being drafted by cleveland in the first round and and uh played for cleveland for from 1980 uh to uh 84 and then uh, played for the rams from 85 to 88 um and and john robinson once described him as the toughest player i've ever coached and and i i was pretty young when he was playing but one of some of my earliest memories are of watching charles white matt i i would just love to get your perspective on the, the legacy of Charles White and also just what you thought of him as a player. Well, I remember a Saturday afternoon that they took on Alabama and Charles White gashed the Crimson Tide. And I believe, and I'm trying to look it up because my memory's not as good in some areas as it once was, but I believe they handed Alabama their only loss of the season and the Tide went on to win the national championship. But White ran left, right, up the middle. It didn't matter. But as you just mentioned, he was a part of that long legacy that really continues at USC. If you, you know, you go up through the Reggie Bush era. But you know, you had O.J. Simpson and Mike Garrett, Charles White, and Marcus Allen. I mean, it was called running back U, and they ran student body right and left, and just John Robinson's Trojans just steamrolled everybody. He went on and had a pretty successful career. I say pretty. Nine years in the NFL as a running back is very successful. But from all indications, he was extremely tough, as Robinson said, toughest player he's ever coached. I'm very saddened by his passing um, at the age of 64. Too um, young. A battle with cancer. Uh, Way too young. But unfortunately, on that note, University of Alabama uh, has lost an outstanding running back, too, at the age of 42. If you remember in the... From 1999 to 2002, Ahmad Galloway uh, was a running back in the mix. He came in there with um, uh, the Sean Alexander era uh, and had some tremendous seasons with Alabama, particularly one. His sophomore and junior years were outstanding. But he was um, an English teacher at a middle school in St. Louis, and details of his passing are not available now. But uh, the St. Louis community, in particular where he taught, is really grieving, as is the rest of the Alabama nation, because uh, he was just 42 years of age. So 
Um, a couple of great college running backs have passed away, and uh, I'm saddened by the knowledge of both, Lars. Yeah, and, um, you know, an- another thing about Charles White, he wore the number 12. And I never saw a running back wear anything other than basically between 20 and 39, right? And uh, Charles White, yeah. he was just, uh, I, I don't know why that sticks out in my mind, but the, the, the fact that he wore number 12 and he was just, uh, he was a magical player uh, for them. And it's, uh, boy, it, it, it makes you feel old, the fact that, that Charles White, uh, who I watched as a, as a young boy in Nebraska, um that uh that he that he's gone that he's left us and um you know uh rest in peace charles white um and ahmad galloway as well um that's a very 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 sad part of uh our broadcast today hey you're listening to big known sports when we come back i think ad's gonna be here uh alex dillard gotta find our new studio so uh, hopefully he'll get over here and we'll continue to talk about the Alabama-Arkansas game. But there are several other stories on the plate as well. And one I might throw at you guys and I'll let you know going into the break is uh, the Bears say they are open for business with that number one pick. What does that mean for Chicago? You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Drowning in IRS debt? If you can't afford to pay your IRS debt due to economic hardship, you can now be free of IRS collection efforts by taking advantage of a special IRS... Now they make new movies in old black and white. Happy endings where nobody fights. So if you find yourself in that nostalgic rage, honey, jump right up. Back on Big Noon Sports with Lars, Christian, and Matt. Appreciate all of you folks dialing us in. And I uh, hope that you are continuing to be weather aware, particularly east of the Birmingham area, as uh, I believe we are kind of free and clear, lack of better terminology from Tuscaloosa all the way into uh, Birmingham, but it's still a good idea to continue to listen, and we will certainly uh, join weather forecasts and, and weather casters in progress if necessary. And I do understand that there have been a couple of touchdowns, and uh, we're certainly praying for uh, those in the area that are affected by that. And uh, Again, uh plead with you to keep an eye on, keep television on, keep us on, as we will continue to bring you Big Noon Sports with uh, a larger eye on the bigger picture, which is our weather. Um, Christian, let's talk about the NFL here for just a minute because the number one pick will go to the Chicago Bears. If not for Justin Fields, I feel very, very sure that they would just pick Bryce, maybe C.J. Stroud, maybe Will Anderson. But they made it very, very clear in a statement today that they are, in fact, here's the quote, open for business. Um because, and and help me out here, um, they have the first pick, and then their next pick is 58th. So there's a, a lot of players between 1 and 58. Um, you think the Bears, they're just saying, hey, if you want to trade for our number one pick, be prepared to give us another number one and a number two. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if it's true that their next pick isn't until 58, um, if it's me and – Again, I, I know they have a great quarterback in Justin Fields, 
Um, I'm not sure if they see him as the the true long-term solution, but um, he's had a great year. So let's say they want to stick with him. Um, I think the the smartest decision is to trade back, get more draft capital, capital, uh, um, and then use that draft capital to 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 you know get more picks and and get more guys that can come in and um, help contribute to your team. Um, you know, because that's honestly what's most important. Now, it is hard to turn down a a, a guy like a Bryce Young who um, appears to be a generational type of guy with that type of talent and skill set. Um, but sometimes, you know, you just have to you have to choose. And um, again, you have a pretty solid quarterback in Justin Fields, and and you know, just his ability to make plays um, with his arm as well as his legs. Um, you know, he he's he's a big time threat. Um, is, is he a Super Bowl type of quarterback? I guess that's to be determined. Um, but they definitely have um, more needs in this draft. Um, you know, I, I think they have other issues that they need to address. Um, specifically the offensive line I'm thinking of. Um, I mean, look, Justin Fields is running for his life every time the ball is snapped. Um, so you could trade back, get a, get a really good uh, you know, lineman, help build around them, you know, get some guys up front on your defensive line. They could definitely use some more pass rush. Um, so it just depends on the direction they want to go. Um, but if it's me and I'm them, I would consider trading back and get more draft capital. I think that's what they'll end up doing. And I, I like the progress that Justin Fields has made a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's a he's a bear. Uh, I, I think he's kind of a – doesn't he take on the persona of the Chicago Bears, a guy that can play in the – and I'm not saying Bryce or Stroud can't either, but he just seems to be a Chicago Bear, and he has now locked in – as as a, a bear, a Chicago Bear type guy, and, and I think he could be a long term quarterback success for the Chicago Bears. I agree with you totally. I think you trade, you get some picks, you get some O linemen, but take and get as much value for that number one pick as you possibly can. And I, I look around thinking maybe Bryce is better suited for a different team or a different climate. So um, that's that's where I am on that, which kind of reminds me, probably we need to get your daddy on, talking not only about the transfer portal, but to talk about what they would do in the NFL as far as the number one draft with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and I agree. He definitely would have a lot of good insight. And you got to remember, too, there's also free agency. So they can go to free agency and get um, some key positions that they need. Um, again, I think offensive line first and foremost, and then the defensive line, um, you know, specifically that defensive tackle position, um, they, they could use some help at. So, um, you know, you just have to look at the draft and see who you can um, find um, that could help. You know, it seems they have around $110 million in cap space um, to spend. Um, so that'll help them out. Um, but uh, I agree with you um, about Justin Fields. I think he's a, is a, he's a high-quality quarterback with, with a ton of potential. Um, you know, he, he dealt with some injuries, but um, he still was able to pass for – uh, over 2,200 yards, you know, 17 touchdowns. But and that's not even, you know, um, referencing any of his rushing attempts and, and, and the rushing scores and, and yards to the to the running game. So I, I I like him at least for another year or two. You know, see see you know what he looks like with the quality offensive line because again, this guy's been playing with probably one of the worst offensive lines in the country um, in the National Football League. So I say get him some offensive line help. See what he can do. Um, you know, I love Bryce Young, and I think you know, he definitely could help a program like Chicago. Uh, however, um, 
with a quarterback like Justin Fields, I said, give him one more shot. You know, it, we need, if, if you want to be honest, Matt, you look at the quarterback class for next year, it's loaded too. And I'm not taking anything away from, you know, Bryce Younger or uh, uh, CJ Stroud or, or any of these uh, top quarterbacks in this class, because this is a great class as well. But the quarterback class for 2024, I mean, you've got a, a, a number of guys, man, that, that um, can also be some huge um, additions to some teams. Um, and, and I think you look, look, you got guys like Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels from LSU is not a bad quarterback. I mean, there's so many guys, the, the, the Michael Penix Jr. from Washington who had a great uh, season. So I wouldn't be surprised if they pass on a quarterback, they trade back, get some more draft capital. Uh, get some offensive line and defensive line help. And ultimately, ultimately, if Justin Fields doesn't uh, improve or he's not where they want him to be, maybe look for, look at a quarterback next season because there's, there's some good quarterbacks coming up, Matt. Um, you got the Texans who will take the number two pick, Cardinals, Colts. Um, you kind of – when the Bears make an announcement like this, they're open for business, you kind of immediately start looking down the draft list and see who would trade up and give away picks in order to get a shot at Bryce, who I think is uh, – and he's headed for greatness in the NFL. I also think Stroud's going to be a really, really good NFL quarterback too. Agree. AD is in the studio. Alex Dillard is going to join us on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like good zoo on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Today on Hey Culligan's Smart Home, Smarter Water Softener, here's Kevin. Hey Culligan, can a smart water softener lift those heavy salt bags for me? Kevin, it can. <laughs> Wait, it can't? Colder tonight, mostly cloudy with a low at 34. Tomorrow, a cold and breezy day with a mix of sun and clouds, the high 48. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. He's going the distance. Hey, welcome back into Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, and now in the studio here at Crawford Broadcasting is Alex Dillard, uh, sharpshooter, Razorback, uh, and now developing players and, and talent to a very, very high degree here in the state of Alabama. Alex, how you doing, man? Good to see you again. I'm doing all right. How you doing? Uh, life is good, man. Got did past it, the weather. Did you have to drive through any of this mess today? I did. I did. It was a... Uh... It was kind of thick on uh, 65 and 459, so it was a couple of accidents. So I was able to uh, avoid those, but uh, other than that, it was it was okay. I got to just jump straight to it. You're an Arkansas guy, but, uh, you know, you certainly have ties to the state of Alabama. Uh, give me your breakdown on what happened with uh, what happened at Bud Walton. Um, I think I think the turning point around, I think the turning point was when uh, my man dumped on the guy from Alabama and then, uh, it was like I was talking to Robbie. They just it got really chippy, and and uh, I think the tide just took it to another level. And you know, for me, when you look at when you look at Arkansas and look at Alabama as far as players, personnel, you know, um, Arkansas don't have a designated shooter. They have five athletes, and they all do the same thing. If you just really look at the floor, they all do the same thing. 
You know, you got the kid, uh, Sears. Yeah, he, Mark he, Sears. Yeah, 20, what, 26, 28 points? Yeah. Big-time shooter. Yeah. And they don't, I mean, they don't have any shooters like that for Arkansas. I mean, Nick Smith, he wasn't a shooter like that. He, he's, a, he's a really good player. He's a good point. player. He's a good player. And then you got Brazil who go down, you know. So I think the game would have been a little different if those two kids would have been playing. But uh, I think, you know, uh, I think Musselman is doing the best he can with what he has. But um, right now, Alabama just, man, they, they tough. Give me uh... – Give me your kind of professional look on Brandon Miller and how good is he. And I mean, he's a lottery pick for sure. Is he a number one pick? Could he be? <laughs> I mean, in the right situation. Yeah. Who do he put you in the mind of? I know he put me in the mind of. Who he put you in the mind of? Well, I think a little bit about Jabari Smith from last year. Of course, I think Smith was a little bit. He's a little bit taller. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. But. Uh, as far as size and stature, a little bit, and particularly the ability to have that height and shoot the three. Who, how about you? Who do you, who do you think he reminds you? Who does he remind you of? Joe Johnson. Yeah, I could see that. Joe Johnson, six eight, six nine, two twenty five, two thirty, very skilled. You know, he kind of put me in the mind of Joe when he was at uh, and he was in high school, and then his first two years at Arkansas. That's what every time I say, I'm like, yeah, he put me in the mind of Joe Johnson. Um, how tough can, can you explain to people how tough it is to play at Fayetteville and how big that win is? First of all, to beat Arkansas with their talent, and by the way, I think Musselman's a hell of a coach. Uh, uh, you know, he and Nate Oates came into the league at about the same time, and you match their records and their success, particularly in the NCAA tournament. He's actually a little bit ahead of Oates. Yeah, he got two fine but, eights. Uh, yeah, and uh, as we as we know, Oates does not, but. Um, just tell people what it's like to walk into Bud Walton Arena. Now you played for the fans. What's it like to go in there and play against? Uh, it's um, it's hectic because you know um, our fans are very into the game, very in tune to the game, and you know it's funny that Alabama won last night because my last two years at Arkansas, we lost one home game to Alabama to McDice and Caffrey McCaffrey. So it, it, it's um. It's funny you say that, but it's the, the environment, man. It's different. It is. It's tough going in there to, to beat us, and for them to do it convincingly like that is. Um, it was very impressive. How would you say the game has changed from from when you were playing and, and to what you see now on the court? Um, for me, I would say the speed and physicality. Hmm. It's it's a major difference with the speed and physicality. You know. Uh, of course, you're talking about when I played, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Um, we can we can put our bodies on you. Today, if I blow on you, it's a foul. And so that's, <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I'm just, I'm. Just, you asking me to, you asked us. I'm gonna be honest with you. So yeah, you know, you think you think about today's game. It's predicated around the perimeter. Mm-hmm. When I was to play, when I played, we knew the ball was going to corners, and there was no, there was no <laughs> ifs ands or buts. Nobody had anything different to say. But today the game is position is basketball. You know, the kids today are more skilled than we were. They're mm-hmm. more skilled. But you think about it, there is no Corliss, no Shaq, Chris Weber, mm-hmm. Glenn Robinson, none of those guys. Everybody is, like, you know, very skilled. Uh, they can dribble, pass, and shoot. But it's either, it's either outside or layups. There's... Name a name a team that has a post player that's dominant. 
Not many. Oh, <laughs> not many. Exactly. It's it's funny exactly. that it's funny I mean, that you say that because yeah, my, so I'm I'm only 26, but my you know, I played football here at Alabama, and I played uh, for the Panthers. Mm. And my dad, he played professionally for nine years. He played with the Giants, but you know when we talk about the differences of you know how football has changed, it's a similar uh, situation where you know back then you know they were taking guys' heads off. There was I mean I don't even think targeting was a thought back then. Um, it's just so no. different. You know nowadays you can't even tackle a quarterback. Um, a regular form tackle without getting a rough in the passer called on you. Um, so it's just interesting how, you know, it's not only football that's also, you know, changed like that, but even basketball, you know, you make, make a great point. You see that in basketball. It's any, anything, if you touch a guy, is a foul. Do you think someone like yourself or your father could play in today's game? What about Jack Tatum with the, with the Raiders? He led with his helmet ever all the time. <laughs> Jack Tatum, he led with his head, his helmet the whole, his Absolutely. whole career. So, I mean, that I mean, was that was a given. I mean, that was uh, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, otherwise we we about to stop. You, you're gonna have millionaires playing flag football. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I heard somebody like. read something this morning and said NFL's nothing but glorified seven on seven now. Yeah, it's about to be flag football. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of that, last night I thought, and 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 as I told you last night on text and and our listeners here on Big Noon Sports a minute ago, I I, I got away from the TV because I want to go see UAB play mm-hmm. and. So I did not visually say I was keeping up. Mm-hmm. But from the start of that game on, it appeared to me that the officials were acutely aware that this was, this was chippy before the tip. Oh, yeah. And I thought, and you guys chime in if I'm wrong because I didn't see the last 10 minutes of the game, but I thought the officials did an outstanding job of making sure that that volatile situation, it didn't blow up, A.D. No, it didn't get out of hand at all. No. Was it that that was them? Yeah, isn't it? Yes. wasn't it? It was all controlled by them, you know. They, and and that's the thing, you know, the game could have really got out of hand, but when you have refs to step in and be like, "Hey, we're gonna put our feet down," and this is not gonna, you know, happen. And uh, I'll just tell you something. I don't know if you guys know this, but Musselman and Notes, they uh, they go at each other. Yeah, they they don't think they're real fond of each other. No, I, I, <laughs> I think they cordial. I think they cordial. I don't think they hate each other. Nothing like that. There's no hate, but as far as I'm gonna beat you, you know, you you know, you know what? Yeah, they they. You look at if you go, go back and look at Oates when Miller hit that shot, he was very animated. You know what I noticed very early, and it was also when the officials were making it clear to both coaches and both teams they're not gonna put up with that. They called a, a I guess a double foul and and um, and double technicals mm-hmm. did they not? Mm-hmm. And they called the coaches over. And he was explaining to them what happened, what's going on, and what's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And Oates and Musselman were both standing. They, they did not look each other in the eye. They were both looking over the official shoulder, or you know, they were looking onto the floor. But uh, I think that's a good rivalry. You it know, is. They, Nolan and Wimp didn't exactly send each other cards. No, it, it is. It's a great rivalry. A great rivalry. No, so, but um, I, I would say. If Alabama stay healthy, they can get to the. Uh, they can get to the. I think they can get to the final eight. If they get to the final eight, they're gonna go to the final four. Are you talking about both of them? <laughs> <laughs> Are you no. talking about Alabama? Alabama. No, we, we don't. If we don't have Nick in Brazil, we're not going. But I'm just talking about Alabama. If Alabama get to the final eight, it's. I don't. You don't, you don't have to win six games. All you gotta do is win six, and you, you know, you, 
you have one, but I'm just, just when you just look at the personnel, you know, it's tough, man. Who else do you see as a potential Final Four, Elite Eight types? And, and start with the SEC. UConn, right? yeah. they beat Alabama, right? Yeah. And in the SEC, I'm going to say uh, Alabama. <laughs> That's, and the rest? I mean, is it? I mean, it's just it's like playing, it's like playing Spade. Alabama, the big joker. I don't know who you can yeah. put at the small little joker and the ace. And I don't know. Alabama right now is head and, head and shoulders above everybody else in the SEC. What about nationally? Who else do you like? I mean, you said UConn. Anybody uh, else? I like UConn. Um, you, you can't – I don't know what's the deal, but you just can't count out Gonzaga, man. Never. They, they, they may not win it, but they get there. Yep. And, and Mark Fields, Coach Fields is a good guy. He's a good coach, but uh, I'll say – that was a time I thought North Carolina would be one of those guys, but Ooh. man, they have. Uh, well, I think they were already starting to decline a little bit when Alabama beat them. Mm-hmm. But since then, what do they have? Five losses? Six. Six. Wow. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's a little scary there too. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, like right now, just off, off the top of my head, I would say UConn and Alabama. I have those two. Well, Purdue's still playing pretty well, but I hadn't seen enough of them to make a really good judgment. Yeah, yeah, you, they won team. That that they are a team too. I, I would. You got the big kid. Uh, I think it's Etney, uh, Edie or whatever. You, you have him, so you can't. You know, you can't forget about them. But right now, my two is UConn, Alabama. I want to talk to you on the other side of the hour about what you're doing locally with some of your players and some of the players that are uh, signing and playing at big-time basketball programs as a result of the program that you're running. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. What you've heard about probiotics is probably wrong. I eat yogurt, so I don't need to take a probiotic. Probiotics? They don't really work. HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. really won the game. Obviously, we had to close it there after they cut it to two, but that start to the second half was good, too. Highly. We need somebody to score. Those two are two leading scorers, and, you know, he always comes ready to play. I think his defense has gotten much, much better here recently. So, but offensively, man, we, we needed somebody to score the ball, and he, he was scoring it for us. Cause, you know, they, they kind of sagged some guys and didn't play few guys that were, were decent, you know, that were not shooting well, but serious, serious can make shots when he didn't shoot it. He got downhill and Gordon Bowman got fouled both. Super physical. I mean, guys were getting fouled. I mean, it's a hard game to officiate because, you know, Anthony Black's trying to get fouled every drive and does a good job picking up fouls. He's a big point guard. You know, Jaden Bradley comes downhill at you. Brandon Miller comes. I mean, it's a really tough game to officiate it was super physical I mean they're a tough team you know they preach toughness and we do the same so 
it was, I mean, I just, and we've been good in tough games. I mean, I think Houston's one of the toughest teams in the country. I, I thought the loss to you. There you heard from Nate Oates following Alabama's 84-69 to victory over Arkansas last night at Bud Walton Arena. A uh, big win for Alabama. As the season progresses, continue to hear him reference the win at Houston. And I think it is significant because Houston is rough and tumble and rugged, and they will beat you up. And Alabama survived that also on the road. And last night's road victory in Hogland, I think, is just as significant. Welcome in to Big Noon Sports Match. Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller. Our guest in studio is Alex Dillard, former Arkansas sharpshooter, and uh, now doing a lot of good for the youth of basketball, young basketball players in the state of Alabama. Let's touch on that, and let's get back to a little bit more college basketball. What are, what are you doing these days? Uh, I'm uh, coaching AAU with Team Carroll, Premier, and so um, I had my 17U this past uh, this past year, and so now I have to start all over. So I'm going back down to the sixth grade and do it, try to do it again. But um, I've had, you know, uh, some pretty good players, and um, the one guy that uh, I had for two years, he committed to Alabama, R.J. Johnson. So, um, and then I have one of my one of my two of my kids um, are being highly recruited in football. One signed with South Alabama, the other one just came back of a visit from from our Air Force and so he has an offer from Vanderbilt. But um other than that, man, I just I'm just trying to, you know, you know, help kids get, you know, out of here and get in school. I guess I was under the impression when I hear AAU, I think strictly basketball, but I guess you're giving these guys an athletic education if they're signing football yeah. <laughs> scholarships as well. I mean, you know, some kids some kids are being, you know, just forced to play football because, you know, the, the portal. The Porter is hurting a lot of people, man, especially high school kids. You know, uh, high school kids. You know, you got you got some kids right now that can play Division One ball, going going to major D two schools, hmm. and that's what a lot of people don't know. A lot of kids, you know, you you got Barry Donnelly. He was Player of the Year in the state of Alabama. He's at he, he at Arkansas, sitting on the bench, six seven, not playing. Player of the Year in the state of Alabama. St- Yes, he went to McGill Tulin. Yeah, wow. he's not playing, and and so, you know, I have two twins, Ty Ty Trent uh, Thomas, six seven two thirty five. They they uh they want to play basketball, but they're being forced to play football. So now, they're probably you know, they probably end up playing top, I mean, a power five as tight end, mm. and uh, it's the Porter man. You know, it's the coaches. The coaches don't have to come out as much now. Mm. They can sit. They can sit in the office and watch huddle. You know, see, it would be. I say this all the time. The the, the uh, it would be a lot different if the social media wasn't like it is now. Because when I when when I came up and uh, uh, my man here to play football in the NFL, Christian, Christian, you had to come out and see Christian. You couldn't watch him on social media. Mm-hmm. You had to come out and see us with your own eyes. And so now, what they're doing now, they're just going to the port- porter and just, you know, you think about it. If Alabama play against somebody from Houston, do you, do you not think Nate also take a kid from Houston? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
why go out recruit when the kid's coming to you? If two kids right now replace two of his seniors, he's going to take them just because of their mentality and the way they play the game. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, I, I mean, a lot of coaches, man, you, they very, you very seldom see head coaches out. Very seldom. They're just chilling. You see an assistant coach out every now and then. But, you know, they, they, this, how, this is how it goes. Junior college, prep school, high school. Wow. The Porter's number one. Porter, the Porter, uh-huh. junior college, prep school, high school. Wow. And, so, you're, and, you're, you and you're referring to, to college basketball recruiting right now, right? Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, it's, it's bad in football. It's bad in football. Yeah, I was going to ask you what your they, thoughts were on, because obviously, I mean, I pay attention to the portal of football, and that gets so much buzz. Obviously, people are upset with, you know, how active the portal is right now. We're seeing a record number of players in there. Um, but that, I was going to ask you that. Do you see the portal affecting college basketball as well? And it sounds like you're saying it is. It is. It really is. I mean, like I said, we have a lot of kids here in the state of Alabama that can play, you know, Division One basketball, whether it's power five or mid-major mm-hmm. or high two, uh, high D2, you know. But like I said, I got two twins, man. I got two twins. I got a, I got a two-guard. Is a mouse, Tyson Sexton, you know, Terry Connors, his son, one of the top guards in the state of Alabama, all play for me. These guys have no offers. Wow. No offers. Pinson, Pinson is undefeated. And he's the best point guard in the state of Alabama. No offers. How you do that? Uh, they're sitting at their desk with their mouse watching some guy that is going to enter the transfer portal. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. I didn't know it had gotten to that level. Okay. Uh, so here's a question. So you telling me to get the kid number one for Alabama, Gibbs, you telling me he just got that good or he's always been that good? <laughs> oh, he was good at Georgia Tech. But look how he <laughs> – Yeah, but he, huh? he was he was pretty good at Georgia Tech, yeah, but he, uh, he definitely came and, and contributed a lot here at Alabama. If he stayed at Georgia Tech, he would not be in the first round. Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah, no, you're right. Probably not. And what did he do? What did uh, What did it do for Jameson Williams? <laughs> Man, same thing. It's yeah. I mean, you. It's it's tough, man. You know, because I I said something. I know it. I get you know I I get ridiculed for it. But if these kids can get an extra year of college basketball because of COVID, what about these seniors in high school? Can they get an extra year? Yeah, that's, well, I have a question that's a good, I can't that, answer. Well, that's but a good, I'm saying, that's I'm a good saying, point I mean, though, because I, a lot of people, um, you know, haven't, um, you know, put much emphasis on that. But that also has been killing recruiting. Was that COVID year? The fact that so many guys were granted that extra year of eligibility. Now I get it. You know, that was a hard year for everybody. A lot of people missed out on opportunities. But having so many guys carry over and stay for a lot longer, you had so many more guys in the program who weren't moving on. And, and it really affected recruiting, and I think it still is. We're still seeing the effects of it because guys, even guys that are seniors now, can opt. If they didn't play as much as they'd like or they want to come back, they have that option because of COVID. Even if they were a freshman back during COVID, they can still choose to take that season now. Um, so that also is affecting the recruiting. So I, I agree 100% with that. It's, West Virginia has a kid that plays for them. He's a senior. He's been to four different Power 5 schools. You know, my football? No, basketball. Basketball. 
I guess they got they got one in each sport. Then they had JT Daniels, <laughs> who did the same. Yeah, JT thing. Daniels, the quarterback that went from USC to Georgia to West Virginia, and he now, now where are going? He's going to Rice. Rice, yeah. So he's got four. But they were. This was just announced this morning, AD. I don't know if you've seen it or not. But the NCAA has made a new rule. It's going to stop that. You got one year as an undergraduate that you can transfer uh, without any you know whatever cause mm-hmm. after that it's a case-by-case situation and from the way i read it it can't be for academics or it can't be because of playing time so that's gonna that'll stop the kid that you're saying at west virginia basketball and uh jt Den- that'll put an end to that stuff you, you know you think think about this let's just say for instance if i go for a, if i go play for a coach you know what i'm saying and the things that he told me all of it don't come to fruition, okay? I get that, you know. But, you know, if you go play for a coach that's a disciplinarian, you know, and you have to compete and earn everything, okay, now I don't want to do that. So guess what I can do? I can transfer. Right. So what are we teaching the kids? You don't have to, hey, when that challenge comes, you don't have to face it. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I mean, if you got a, sure. a coach like a, a, a Tom Izzo, or Bob Knight, you know, I talked to Nolan, and Nolan even said he couldn't coach in his era. No, I don't think so. He have a lawsuit. Oh, <laughs> I mean, think- I'm surprised he didn't have one back in the day. Oh yeah, but, uh, you know, but you knew what you're getting with him. You knew what you were getting with Wimp. Yes. Um, and you know, you didn't get there and go, oh, I don't like this. You knew what was happening. I signed. I signed I'm up not, for it. I I'm signed not sure. up for it. It's too easy to get out now, but hopefully this rule will help. Um. You're welcome to hang around. We're going to get an out by my football expert, a guy named Mick Gillespie, is going to join okay. us in a minute. But before I let you go, I do want to get your deep dive, your take on NIL. I wish they were giving it away when I was playing. I know. They <laughs> so that's Christian. <laughs> you and I, I both. Wish, oh, man. You and I both. Man, it, can, can you imagine if me and my guy on the phone right now, what's his name? Christian. Christian? Yeah. You, you guys imagine, have been millionaires before you got out of college. Can you imagine if me and Christian was getting NIL? Man. It, oh. it it may this may not this may not be the right thing to say, but it may affect how you feel about the game again. Because if you can get eight million before you touch the NFL football field. Well, I would have stay, stayed here. Well, I, mean, I had to stay here five years and I dealt with some injuries and whatnot, but Man, I would I would have really enjoyed those five years. I would have just made as much as I could, and I would have enjoyed every. You know, I, I did enjoy every second of it. But just to think that if I could have been making almost NFL type money while I was in school here, it's uh I can't even can't even process that. Do you understand? How much do you think Bryce Young? Oh, what do you think he does? He, oh, he well he made more than uh you know the rookie salary when I was uh, in the league was I think four ninety five, uh, and I'm pretty sure he was valued at over three million dollars this past year. So. He was about five or six times what I was making in the NFL my rookie year. <laughs> Jesus, Joseph right? Wow, crazy! It's, it's you know, and, and it's a totally different era, and it, it's recent. It's not like we're going back to your day. No, we go back to Christian Miller's day, and it has changed drastically. And Christian maintains he thinks it's affect their culture and their mentality and their their doggedness oh, a little bit. It does. Uh, anyway. Thanks for coming by. Hang around. Put Keep the headsets out if you want to. Uh, many thanks to Alex Dillard, AD, for joining us here on Big Noon Sports. When we come back, the mixture, Mick Gillespie, will join us from, I don't know if he's at the Floribama or at, uh, some other bar along the Gulf Coast, but he'll be with us. I know that.
This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil. Outside of Mark. Thank you. It's really smart and really good. The SEC, SEC football is the best college sports product on TV except for March Madness SEC football if you watch it on th- on Saturday you know you're not talking about Zion going against somebody you're talking about Alabama going against Auburn and you're talking about well these three offensive linemen can be first round picks that quarterback you know see it, it's Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt, um, along with uh, Christian Miller and still hanging around in the studio is uh, A.D., sharpshooter from Arkansas. We talked some basketball. Now we're going to bring in Mick Gless. We can certainly talk some basketball with him. Hey, Mick, Happy New Year. How, how are things in your life? How are things on the coast? We're pretty good down here. Good to talk to you guys. Happy New Year. Um, we got some storms just like you and uh, hoping everyone's safe today. And hunkered down, but uh, so far so good here in Fairhope. Good deal. Um, they just uh, announced that the NCAA is going to try and change up this transfer portal rule, and particularly uh, if you're an underclassman, if you're um, if you're already graduating, you can pretty much transfer as many times as do as whatever, whatever you want to. But I I think you're probably familiar with this, but. You got one pass, you can transfer any, anywhere from any reason, and after that it's going to be a lot different um, as you can't really transfer as they're going to review it by a case-by-case deal. Um, if, if you're upset with your playing time after one transfer, from what I understand, Mick, you can't do it anymore. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I really feel like, and I've said this before, that the NCAA has been really slow to act on a lot of stuff, and I think part of it is, they feel like they're handcuffed and I think part of it is that they like the fact that it was the wild west because they lost so much of their authority and it was like hey okay well if you guys don't want us to have authority over this stuff here's what happens when there is no law you know and it's been really um you know frustrating watching you know some of the stuff that happens in the transfer portal it's because it's so unfair to the, the colleges and and the coaches and, you know, and teams. But at the same time, I feel like it's been the for years it was the other way, you know, where you were kind of trapped in a, in a you know, you sign a letter of intent and, and you'd have to wait two years to get out of it. So I think that's a pretty good, if this is what they're going to do, I, I think that's a pretty good meet in the middle point. Hey, one transfer, and then if you want to do it a second time and you're not graduated, then at least it feels more like, you know, you're there for college too, instead of a, a pro league. No, I agree with you right there, Mick. I uh, I think it's a very fair, um, you know, uh, legislation that they just added, and, and it provides equity for both sides. So um, I'm all for that. Um, but in regards to what's next for NIL, now that they've done, you know, um, some proper legislation with the transfer portal, would you say NIL is uh, next on the menu um, of things that they they you know 
dive into and try to you know put an end to some of this chaos? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, and I, I remember being on the, the station, probably in the same studio you guys are in right now. You know, years ago, talking about how unfair I felt like it was that you know you you could you know play and be a superstar at Alabama, or you know I always use the example of. Uh, Joe Smith, who is a basketball player at Maryland when I was there before I transferred to Alabama. And he was the number one pick in the draft, and he was Maryland's best player. And you'd go into the, the Maryland, you know, student store, and you could buy his jersey, and everybody had one. And he didn't get any money off of that. You know, and it was just kind of like, man, you know, every single game we're camping out to go watch, and we're into this, and he didn't get anything. You know, now I feel like we're like totally on the other end of this, where we're, where the schools have turned it into uh, an opportunity to recruit, and I don't know that that's what it's for. You know, I, I always think like when I was thinking guys deserve to get paid, I'm thinking Joe Smith, I'm thinking Bryce Young. You know, like go in and prove yourself. You know, and and kind of earn that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing. That you know, if hey, look, if, if every Alabama player that comes in is getting you know twenty five thousand dollars compared to the amount of money they make, you know maybe that's a good thing too. But th- I, I think that there has to be something done based on being able to pay someone to come to your school out of high school instead of having someone come there and build we- wealth and equity based off of their talent and what they've done on the on the field. And it's like they sold us on that. But it's it's turned into a recruiting thing. Well, when I was in school, I couldn't even get my mother and father a jersey when I was in Arkansas. Me, Scott, and Corliss, our, our jersey was nowhere to be found. Wow. Nowhere. I mean, so, you know, I, I was telling I was just telling him if Corliss was in it, you know, think about it, the Fab Five was in this NIL deal. Man, the Fab Five. Yeah, it's crazy. Ooh. I mean, like it, 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 it's crazy to think of the money that some of these guys that were just awesome players would have been able to. And and I always worry about. I say the other end of this too is I always think of Tyrone Prothero. You know, when when he was at Alabama and and, and he was just such a great player. He's one of my favorite Alabama players, even to this day. I loved watching him, the, what he could do on the field, and then he gets hurt, and you know doesn't get any money i mean he would have probably been a first or second round pick in the nfl and i think he would have been one of those guys like uh i know he was smaller but like a dk metcalf like he goes into the nfl and becomes like a really big time star player um so i like the insurance policy of the fact that you know the university is making all this money it's not fair that you're playing on the team and you can't even get a jersey for your parents you know or get take plane tickets for them to come watch you play if you're on the west coast or something like that so I think that, like, that's been the positive part of, of what we're seeing, you know, um, with the NIL. I, I'm kind of in the middle on the NIL, as long as it's not like a recruiting tool. Sure. But it is. Yeah, it is. and doesn't it look like it's being used as a recruiting tool specifically with the transfer portal? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, we'll look at some of these schools. Yeah, I mean, look at South Carolina. They just lost their, you know, their best defensive player to Oregon. You know, and you're like, well, what happened there? You know, I mean, South Carolina, who wouldn't want to play on South Carolina's team right now? I mean, you talk about a program that has a great coach in Shane Beamer and the fact that they beat Tennessee and Clemson at Clemson, and then they almost beat Notre Dame. They're, they're definitely on the upswing. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, you got, you know, players transferring out, guys that play all the time. Well, what are they leaving for? You know, well, they're leaving for money, you know. And then the, the whole thing with Drake May at North Carolina, you know, what happened with that? You know, um, a, a coach from another school saying, hey, man, they're, they're, somebody offered him up to $5 million to transfer. Maybe, you know, maybe Miami, maybe not. But, I mean, it, there's got to be some kind of – there's got to be some kind of rules to follow or – it's going to be complete chaos, and that's what we have right now. And I think some schools are being opportunistic on this, where they're trying to turn their fortunes around uh, because they know that eventually there will be rules. So for right now, hey, look, we'll do whatever we we have to do to build our roster and spend as much money as we have to. Wouldn't you say USC's leading the march there, getting that uh, yeah. Hollywood money? And, hey, how fast uh, did that happen? <laughs> uh, and Lincoln Riley's doing it as fast as he can because of what Mick just said, and that's because they may change the rules on him next year, so you better load it up while he can, right? I mean, you're getting kids. We had some kids. I know a couple of kids we have. They got like half a million before they ever got on campus. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a half a million. Uh, we got three kids on Arkansas, I think, got half a million apiece. Yeah. Must be nice. Are they playing? If yeah. I can ask. <laughs> yeah, Nick Smith. Yeah. Hell yeah, Nick Smith. <laughs> Have three of them. Three of them got. I want to say the rumor is three of our kids got to have. That's the rumor. They got to have a meal before they ever step foot on a court. Oh. And this and Chris, <laughs> Chris said that's what he made his rookie year. Oh yeah, that, that, yeah. Was, that was the that was the league minimum uh, league minimum for rookies. I'm uh, not, yeah, that's what every rookie I'm not, made. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to pick on Christian, but I mean that's we talking about a grown man oh, getting no, concussion. It's, it's embarrassing, man. Trust for, me for half a meal. <laughs> yeah, and for an 18 year old kid, yeah, half a meal, and he's still in high school. When he hadn't even taken a snap or shot no, a free throw. No, these these kids are getting these deals. Think about it, these kids are getting these deals like an AAU. Mm. I'm coming to you say, hey, you come to me, I got something for you. That's not illegal no more. It's not illegal no more. No. It's, well, as it's been used, the term, and it's it's very accurate, it's the wild, wild west. Yeah. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. A.D., Mick, Matt, Christian, and the gang's all here for another half hour. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt. And Christian. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Making a resolution to conquer your foot, knee, hip, or back pain this year? For over 30 years, the Good Feet Store's arch support system has helped people just like you improve performance. Colder tonight, mostly cloudy with a low at 34. Tomorrow, a cold and breezy day with a mix of sun and clouds, the high 48. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. We are back on Big Noon Sports, Matt, and uh, some, somebody's dog. Mick, is that your dog? <laughs> yeah, that's John John. I'm walking in the other room. The UPS guy just showed up. So. Oh, 
Wow. He's, he's that'll set every dog in the neighbor. <laughs> it's um, not the mailman. Yeah, that'll anymore. set them off. Um, the, the, hey, Mick, I, I want to give you an opportunity to talk real quick about Ahmad Galloway. He passed away very, uh, very unexpectedly here. Just an outstanding man and running back at the University of Alabama. I'm assuming he was running the football maybe around the time you were there or a, a little bit before that. But um, very, very sad to hear about his passing, especially at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching him vividly. You know, that that was back in my days, and. Uh, he was a great player, and I didn't know that, and I hate to hear that. Um, you oh. know that those, yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's shocking. I didn't know him, but I do remember uh, vividly watching him play. What what years was he at Alabama? Does, 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 he know? was. Uh, he kind of had to follow in the shadow of uh, a guy named Sean Alexander. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought. But right? he did he okay. Yeah, he yeah, he was yeah, there yeah. from. 99 to 2002 and he had an injury his senior yeah. year and i don't think he ever progressed at the nfl level because of that but uh anyway i didn't mean to spring that on you sorry about that man. no 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 look when i was in student radio at alabama i remember interviewing him um you know back when uh back when we used to get to interview uh assistant coaches and <laughs> watch practice you know, and uh, and and yeah, he was a great he was a great player. He really was. And and there were some good wins that those guys had, and he was a big part of it. Um, yeah, that's that's sad, man. I hate to hear that. Well, uh, hey, uh, give us a quick thought or two on uh, what you saw with Alabama and Arkansas last night. Basketball. Uh, man, I tell you what, I, I don't remember Alabama having a basketball team that is, was this good and, and this deep too. I mean, the fact that you know you can go the whole first half and Brandon, and you don't need Miller to score any points for you, and you can still go out there and and win against a, which I think is a, a big time tournament team in Arkansas. And I know they they don't have their best player right now, but I still think that they're you know one of the best teams in the conference. And you know, obviously, you remember what they did last year. And, uh, you know, in the, in the tournament. And then on top of that, uh, you know, having broadcasted a lot of games in the SEC in basketball, the arena that they have in Arkansas, uh, to me is it, it, it's that one and, uh, Tennessee being the two best. And that atmosphere is tough. So, you know what? I, I thought Alabama winning that basketball game was, uh, was a big deal. And the fact that it was tight. And you, you you see your coach call a timeout, and then all of a sudden, you know, they they just make all those shots, and and uh, Miller hit the two big shots at the end of the game. But uh, I really like this team. I like the fact that it, it, Quinter Quinterly's coming off the bench. I think he's really at his best when he's a guy who does come off the bench. Um, I, this is a dangerous team. The the thing that I worry about with them is I just don't want them to peak too soon. But uh, but Alabama and Tennessee, to me right now, have separated themselves from everybody else in the SEC, and I think this is a really good year mm -hmm. for basketball in the SEC. Mick, I want to shift gears to football just real quick. I uh, just want to get your thoughts on this uh, championship game that we just witnessed where Georgia <laughs> pretty much annihilated TCU. Um, just what are your thoughts on that Ooh. game and, and Georgia as a program and, and where you see things moving forward? Yeah, look, I, I remember being on your show, and I thought that, TCU would take that, you know, that country, that country butt whooping in the, the quarterfinals, you know, or the, you know, against Michigan. And what mm -hmm. we found out 
is that the the big the Big Tens, the Big Ten, you know, you get to tournament time and they're no good anymore. Uh, but they played a quality football team, just like Alabama played the actual champion from that conference, and about the same thing happened. Um, you know, I just kept watching that football game, and I'll be honest, Christian, the only thing I thought of, and I mean, you know where my head is, is that Alabama could beat Georgia, and they belonged in as one of the final four teams. And I've been saying that from the beginning, uh, you know, that, that I thought that, that people held Alabama to a different standard because they're Alabama. Um, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, TCU put their brand out there and all that stuff. Look, when you lose 65 to 7, worst, worst loss in the history of bowl games. And, and I mean, look, they've been playing bowl games before my grandparents were alive. I, I don't know that that helps your brand at all, you know? Uh, and, and I, and I didn't even think that this Georgia team was even like, I, I'm looking at this Georgia team comparing them to last year and I, they're not even better than last year's Georgia team. They played a weak schedule on the road in the conference. It fell for them, and, and it, that's happened for Alabama in years past, too. Um, and then they played their best football at the end of the season. They were lucky to beat um, uh, uh, Ohio State. But you know, if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt, maybe it's a different outcome in that game. But the SEC, mm-hmm. it's just different, guys. I mean, it's just a different brand of football, right? But they they have never liked the SEC. Not even uh, I, I played basketball, but they didn't never they didn't like the SEC in the nineties. Because I mean, it just it just don't. And now that Nick has gone to Alabama and done so well, and like he said, they they do hold Alabama to a different standard. You right. know, um, TC, TCU to me has proven that you know that's what ha- that would happen to any mid major team when you play against a power five like a Georgia. Or Alabama, you can get beat to sleep, you know. And so, but that, that's what they've been wanting one of these mid-major teams to get in the Final Four, and they got in the Final Four, <laughs> and uh, it was a different game. It was a, it, it, I thought it, it, for him at one point. I think. Oh, oh me man. too. It was hard to watch, man. And I, I'm gonna tell you what happened when Kirby Smart called out his team after they uh, beat Ohio State by one. And said my quarterback got to play better. He got to do better. Them cats took that personal, man. Mm-hmm. They took that personal. Yeah. And they, man, they beat the brakes off TCU. Oh, I was. Uh, it, it was uh, going back. To- I, I just wanted them to throw the white flag, the, the white talent. You know, I mean, we should have just at some point we could have just saved some of those frogs from getting killed. But how, Mick? I mean, the, the beatdown was <laughs> already in the first half and the third quarter. I mean, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't even know how to do that because Georgia in their head, they're like, yeah, I mean, we're up forty something, fifty points, but at the same time, it's still the third quarter. I mean, I don't think they've ever yeah. even expected having to put in a backup quarterback in a national championship game. And that's why um, when Tim was saying, you know, oh, they weren't ready for the moment, I'm like, that does not – I don't care as a football player or at basketball for that matter. Alex can tell you, it doesn't matter if you're just nervous about a moment. You you never get beat to that degree, ever, unless you just are unmatched. And that's as simple as it gets. There's no such thing as, oh, well, the moment was too big. I've never seen a quality program (laughs) lose – because the moment's too big. If you're a good team, you perform in those environments, in those moments. So, man, I, that that was just hard to watch. I, it's arguably probably the worst football game I think I've ever watched 
Because, um, <laughs> I mean, that, that, at that we, level. Yeah, I mean, at that level. I mean, that's supposed to be the championship game. We might as well have had Ohio State yeah. and, and, and Georgia, excuse me. Um, that semifinal game might as well have been the championship game. I mean, yeah. That, <laughs> it kind of was. It really it was. Um, I have never seen in a football game a coach, a, a football game, a national championship game, where a coach could call a timeout and give a player a curtain call. <laughs> Not once, but twice. <laughs> twice. Yeah. And right, twice. Right, right. Uh, you know what? They, you know what they do at at the high school level. Ad is the coaches talk and they go run the clock, run the clock. Yeah. Don't stop it on incompletions. Don't stop it out of bounds. Don't stop it on first downs. Run the clock, run the clock. And I seriously thought in the third quarter, why don't they do this? It would be merciful. So what what they do in basketball? And I got my nep- my nephews on the phone, and he'll tell you what they do in basketball. If you're getting beat like TCU. They hot clock the clock, let it run, and stop the game in two minutes. Mm. <laughs> they stop the game with two minutes left. They call it, it's called hot clock. Wow. And so third quarter, man, it was, bro, you, it was it was bad, man. It was bad. I think you could see it coming. And, oh. and I'm I'm like Christian. I don't know who, I don't know who's, I don't know who Christian is referring to, but when that moment comes, I don't care who you are, you're gonna get a little nervous. But you should never be scared. Hundred percent. It was. It was. You should. You should never get scared. It's one thing. It's one thing for Christian and I to be nervous. That just we're that's nervous natural. because, yeah, that's natural because we know we we worried about our performance. We're not worried about nobody else. Just our performance. Right. But for you to say where well, the moment was too big, no, nah, bro. That's that's that that one sit well with no athlete. No, and that's why not even when you know. Um, back during football season, when Will and them were talking, Will Anderson, they had mentioned the media about you know being anxious for Tennessee. That's what I was trying to explain. I'm like, people have to understand. I, I think he was kind of twisted in what he was saying. It was more so they felt so much pressure on being perfect and didn't want to lose the game. They were too busy worried on the outcome. It's not like they were going into the game anxious about playing Tennessee because um, nerves are natural. You know, your, your body registers nervousness as excitement. They're they're one and the same. Um, so it's one of those things that you're just you're you know you're you're ready to go play, especially you know football, basketball too. But football, you know, is a combat sport. I mean, you're going in that environment. You know, you're going to war. Um, so that's part of it. But at the same time, to to make an excuse as if oh you know well that happens in college football and you know any team can get beat by that if they're not ready for that that stage. I, yeah. I, that to me as a player, I've never no that that doesn't happen. Um, that just that just if you get beat that bad, you just clearly are unmatched, unprepared, and are and you just you don't stand a chance. Because uh, I've seen some of the best teams, even at Alabama, like we could have been, you know, not necessarily in the best position to, to go out there and play, but we've never ever come close to getting beat by sixty points. <laughs> never <Hey>. in my life. <laughs> But the media got what they wanted, though. The media got what they wanted. That's the best that they wanted, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm saying, Mick. They got a mid-major school. That's what they wanted. Yep. They wanted that. They wanted that. We warned them, but they wanted it, and they had to find out the hard way. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mick, thanks for joining us. We'll do this again probably next week. Appreciate your time, as always. Thanks, Mick. Hey, guys. Take care. Will do. I will wrap up this edition of Big Noon Sports in just a moment. Hey, man, you just... Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified